0: I first heard of Kelvin when I was about 14. I was going to a Christian camp, and everyone said, oh, Kelvin's going to be there. He's, he's a musician. He's going to lead worship, and then he wasn't there because he probably got some better job or something. I don't know. But he, he served at Allegheny Center Alliance Church in Pittsburgh for many years. Uh, most recently, he was the lead pastor of Bedford Community Church, but a year ago, he was elected as the district superintendent of the Metropolitan District of the Christian and Missionary Alliance, International House of Pancakes, (laughs) LLC. Um, So what Kelvin does is essentially, he's the equivalent of, in our denomination, uh, a bishop, what we would call a bishop in other groups, okay? So he oversees about 120 churches in New Jersey, New York City, Long Island, and suburban New York, and he's been in that role for about a year. Now, if that's not enough, to get you hyped up. I have noticed a phenomena this morning that some of you who attended the first service stayed to hear the same sermon another time, which you have never once done for me. So Alexa and Shira consider this a rebuke, all right, and, and Anna too. Um, so um, so uh, that's that, now that we've got that all lined up. So if you have a cell phone or a pager, please turn it off or put it on silent. If you have a pager, get with the program. Uh, it's 2020 almost. All right, Kelvin, would you mind coming up? I want to pray for Kelvin, and then let's give him a warm round of applause. <laughs> Jesus, thank you for Kelvin. Thank you for giving him safe travel as he came down from uh, the Bronx today, and I pray that you would just give him peace. And clarity as he teaches us your word we bless him god we're faithful or grateful for his faithful ministry and we pray your blessing over his family and over his ministry in jesus name amen. Amen.
1: amen hey jim this is uh this is your house and so before i would do this i would ask the the pastor of the house i, I got a picture and i think i got a word is it okay if i do that if i release that it is on um, um, all right, uh, as we were singing uh, uh, Forever Rain, and we were singing that, that spot, you know, oh, I'm running to your arms, I'm running to your arms, uh, the riches of your love will always be enough. This is the picture I got, as, as, as if I saw the Father just doing this, and just doing this. And at one point, it was interesting because it wasn't just a this, but it was actually a this almost like I'm not letting go. I'm not letting go. And here's the word that I have, um, that I believe the Lord, um, I sense the Lord saying, maybe you're here today and you feel like you're in that, in, you know, you're on the outside of that. Maybe you're here today and you feel like there's no way God would want to do this. And sense the Lord is saying to you, I am gathering you in, I'm embracing you, just lean in, just lean in. I don't know who that's for, um, but just a sense that that you're not outside of his embrace. You're not, there's there's nothing you have done that would push you outside of his embrace. And so if you're here and that resonates with you, uh, know that the Lord is doing this. He's gathering you in. There is nothing outside of his embrace that, that he can't bring you back, that he can't bring you, bring you back in. And so that's just the picture I got, the word that I sensed. And uh, uh, thankful that the Lord is in this place. I, I, I get to go to different um, places, different churches, and um, it is always a joy to be in a place where those who are leading us before his presence are released to do it. And so I just want to say uh, to those who led us in worship today, thank you. Thank you. It's a very freeing time in worship, in both services, and so I'm just grateful, grateful. We're going to be talking about discernment today. We're going to be talking about discernment. And as we begin... Uh, i got two questions, not that you would answer out loud. In fact, I don't want you to answer out loud. They're just questions for you to think about. First question is this. What do you think Jesus is saying to you at this point in your life in the context of the challenges and the opportunities that you're facing? What do you think Jesus is saying to you? Not just in the challenges, but the opportunities. Second question is this. What indicators give you some measure of confidence that it is indeed Jesus who is speaking rather than someone or something else? All kinds of voices, all kinds of sounds crowding in. How do you know that what you're hearing is the voice of Jesus? Opportunities, challenges, Situations, noises, sounds, voices. How do you know that Jesus is the one who's speaking? How do you know his voice? Those are important questions because we are always faced with decisions, we're always faced with choices. We're always faced with opportunities and situations that say, I need discernment. I need wisdom. I need understanding. I need clarity. I need to hear God's voice. Before I move on, I'd just like to say there is a lie that is out there that I believe needs to be broken, And that lie is this, God does not speak today. Or maybe the other part of that is God speaks, but he only speaks to other people. He doesn't speak to me. The truth is God is speaking. God still speaks and he wants to speak to you because he wants you to know his will. He wants you to know his heart. He wants you to discern what it is that he's saying. I'm sorry, Siri for some reason keeps wanting to, you know, speak on my. It's, I think it's my my watch. I apologize for that. Um, so Siri, be quiet. Um, God still speaks. And he wants to speak. God still has something he wants to say, and he wants us to position ourselves to discern what he's saying. But when it comes to discernment, uh, my friend Rich Willotus, who's past pastors at New Life Fellowship in Queens, he says there are about two kinds of people that we see when it comes to discernment. The first one is this, those who make decisions this way. You're always discerning, but never deciding. Kind of people that you see where you see them and you go, hey, what's going on? I'm just listening for God's voice. What are you doing? I'm fasting and I'm praying, trying to figure out what God is leading. You see him two weeks again. They're still fasting and they're still praying. You see him two months from now. They're still fasting. They're still just trying to discern, just trying to discern, just trying to hear what God's saying. Well, two months you've been fasting and praying. Maybe God has spoken and he's saying, decide what you're going to do with what I said. People who are always discerning, but never deciding. Then you've got the people who are always deciding, but never discerning. These are the people who live life by this ready, fire, aim approach. Everything is God's will. And so when I say I'm going this direction, oh God, I'm going this direction, oh, I'm going this, and they're always going in a lot of different directions and not gaining traction, making decisions, but not knowing which decisions are of God. Because their life is about decision and moving and not necessarily discerning. God is calling us to be people who decide from a place. Of discernment. He doesn't want us to sit and not move, but neither does he want us to move before we sit. So he's called us to be people who decide from a place. Of discernment, we're talking about discernment. What what does it mean? What when we talk about that word, uh, let's take a minute and and um, define it. So, there are two people have said something about discernment. First one says this: to discern is to make a distinction between the voice of Jesus and those competing voices that invariably speak in our hearts and minds. Another person has said it this way: discernment is good judgment, good wisdom, and the ability to distinguish between the sound and the unsound, the true and the false, the good and the bad, and also the better from the merely good. There are a lot of good choices out there. Sometimes it's easy to discern the good from the bad. The more difficult thing is discerning the better from the good. And it takes time to sit before you act. But we're not just called to sit and not act. Neither are we called to act before we sit. We ought to be people who decide from a place of discernment. There are so many things in life that call for discernment. Let me paint some scenarios for you. And just listen, because maybe one of these scenarios is a scenario that you're in. Maybe it's about a place to live. I like this house. It's so much more than I've ever had before. I think it might be of the Lord. I need discernment. Maybe, it's about a job. You're facing a, a, a career move or a shift in a job in employment. I got a new job offer today. It comes with pretty decent pay. But they want an answer right away. I need discernment. Maybe it's about a boo. And you might be thinking, could this possibly be the one? Has the future with my boo begun? Do I call you Bey or do I call you hun? I need discernment. Maybe you've been watching uh, some voices on television or hearing some voices on the radio and you're trying to discern if this voice is actually on point. This is not what I've been taught. It sounds a bit different, but it doesn't sound off. Can you help me so I'm not lost? I need discernment. A home, a job, a boo. Clarity on teaching. Or maybe it's about educational choices or uh, clarity amidst all of life's competing voices. Whatever the case may be, we all have moments in our lives where we need to discern the voice of God. And when we're in a place of discernment, usually the pattern is this. We'll, uh, we'll recognize that we need to discern something. We'll go to God in prayer. Uh, sometimes uh, we just listen to our heart or we listen to our gut. And you got this gut instinct about it. Sometimes we sit down and we write the list of pros and cons and and we kind of reason it out. This seems to be best. It makes most sense. It seems logical. Those are all different things that we go through when we're trying to discern. But I would suggest to you that there's a component of discernment that we often miss, and that is listening for God's voice in community. We live in an individualistic society. We live in a kind of world that says you do you, you figure you out and let you do you. And as a result of that, we can miss very much the peace of going to community and helping them asking them to help us discern, inviting wise counsel, wise wisdom in to the process. All of the components that I talked about are part of, of what it is to discern, but, but this piece of discerning God's voice in community is what we want to focus on today. So I'm going to invite you uh, to, to repeat after me a number of times uh, during the sermon uh, today. Uh, how we want to start this off is when I say I need you, you would point to me, I'll point to you. When, they, when I say you need me, you would point to yourself. And when I say we, we need him, you point up there. And so as I say that, you want to have you repeat after me. So repeat after me. I need you. I need you. you need me. You need me. We, need him. we need him. Let's say that again. I need you. I need you. you need me. I need you. We need him. We need now turn to the person next to you and say, Neighbor, I need you. I need you. And you need me. Need you. And we need him. That's what it means to discern in community. When we come to a place where we realize we need each other and together we need him. That this is not a journey we are to take by ourselves, but he has put us in a place of community so that we can grow in community and depend on community and together hear from him about community. This was what was going on in the church as we look at Acts chapter 15. We want to be looking at verses 27 to 32, but let me give you some background as to what's happening. The church is growing. The church has spread. They're no longer just centered In Jerusalem, the church, because of persecution, has spread from Jerusalem and is now growing in other places. One of those places that the church is growing is a place called Antioch. But what's happening is, in Antioch, those who are coming to faith in Christ are Gentiles, people from outside the Jewish community, people who weren't born Jewish, people who are not a part of the Jewish community, and yet people from this community are being saved, The spirit of God is being poured out on them. And the church that's still in Jerusalem is having a problem with this. So they travel down to Antioch to check this out and see what's happening. Then they go, okay, you want to be followers of Christ? Good. Here's what you're going to have to do. You're also going to have to be circumcised. And you're also going to have to follow the law of Moses. And of course, Gentile believers are like, um, that doesn't make sense to us. You want me to be circumcised. That's not happening. You want me to follow the law of Moses. I'm still trying to figure out who this Moses guy is that you're talking about. What I know is this. Jesus has come into my life. The spirit has been poured out on me. And you want me to do that. And over here, the church is saying, yes, if in fact you're going to follow Christ, you need to add these things. It was almost as if they were preaching a gospel that said it is Jesus and these things. And they're in conflict in what I would call a place of desolation. We're going to talk a bit about consolation and desolation a little later. And they're, they're, they're at each other. There's arguments going on. And Paul and Barnabas, some leaders in the church who were, uh, who were pretty looking at this and going, we got to do something. Get the wisdom to go up to Jerusalem with some other leaders so that they can sit down at the table with the elders and the apostles who were in Jerusalem and have a conversation about this. And as they have a conversation about this, they do it in community. They come to a place of what I would call consolation in community. They celebrate that, and then they write a letter back to the church at Antioch that they send to read about what the conclusion is. And here's where we pick up um, in the the text as we look at that letter. Uh, Acts chapter 15, Verses 27 to 32 say this. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who themselves will tell you the same things by word of mouth. And this is what the letter said. For it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements, that you abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from blood and for what has been strangled and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. Farewell. And it continues on. So when they were sent off, they went down to Antioch. And having gathered the congregation together, they delivered the letter. And when they had read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. And Judas and Silas, who were themselves prophets, encouraged and strengthened the brothers with many words. So here's what happened. They get together together. They pray, they talk, they discern in community, and out of that comes this thing. We are a diverse people now. The church is no longer just about Jewish followers. It's also about Gentile followers. We come from different backgrounds. We come from different cultural backgrounds. The central thing that we want to make sure of is that we focus on Jesus. Here are some common things that we're going to agree we're not going to participate in, but after we look at all of that, we are going to come together and just worship Jesus. And it says that they rejoiced. Done in community. Had it been one of these things where they were trying to do their own thing, it would have been divisive. Community is divisive important. So as I look at the text and I think about our topic for today, there's a question that comes to mind, and that question is this. Why would God choose to use community as an important part of discerning his will? He can speak to us individually, and he does. Well, why would he choose to use community as an important part of discerning his will? Well, first, Community helps us address our blind spots in the discerning process. Community helps us address our blind spots in the discerning process. We looked at the part of the text where they had finally come to a place of of consolation in in the community, but there's there's something that precedes this. As um, they are addressing this topic, uh, two guys by the name of Peter and James also address the community. And I want to read to you how um, Peter addresses the community. In Acts 15, he says this. The apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider the matter. And after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you, that by mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus just as they will. And I love the way verse 12 begins. It says this, and all the assembly fell silent. Now, it goes on, to say that all the assembly fell silent as Peter began to unfold once again the signs and the wonders and the miracles that have happened and the way Jesus has worked, not only in Jerusalem, but now also in Antioch. So he unfolds that. But I would also like to offer to you that one of the reasons the community fell silent was because all of a sudden they realized, wow, I've been blinded. I have a blind spot. There's something that I missed. And had we not had this gathering, I would still be trying to figure this out from a place of a blind spot. Here, Peter laid it out for him very clearly. You still have this mentality of this us and them. You still have this mentality of insiders and outsiders. You're focused so much on the outward sign that you're forgetting about the inward transformation that is marked by the Holy Spirit. You're making demands that neither you nor our forefathers could keep. And that's what he's saying. You're trying to put this on them. You couldn't even keep it. That's why Jesus had to come. We have all been saved by the grace of God that has been poured out on us Through Jesus Christ. That's what Peter was saying. He was exposing the blind spot. And would not have seen it without the aid of the community. In fact, I would even imagine that Peter would have made it clear to them. I had a blind spot. And God had to give me a vision. And show me through a mirror what it is that was happening so that I would open my eyes and my heart to what he was doing. One of the things that the district does is that they uh, give me a car that I can use when I am traveling. For the first time, I have the kind of car where if I put on that right signal, if I'm changing lanes, all of a sudden on the screen pops up what's on the right side of me. There's a camera there that shows me what's happening. And I I, I noticed when I first got the car, I put it on on the right side and I could see on the camera. And when I did the left side, I didn't see. So I thought something was wrong with the car and I went back to the dealer. I'm like, what's what's happening? They said, no, you don't need it on your left side because most people do this when they're changing lanes on the left. But they don't necessarily do this. The right side becomes the blind spot. And I needed that camera to see what's happening over here because there's something going on in this lane that I'm missing. Now, I still kind of do this, but I've gotten so dependent on the help of that camera that when I put on that signal, I look right here and I see, is the lane clear or am I missing something? This is what Peter was doing. He was functioning like a camera for them. And he's saying the lane over here isn't clear because you're missing something. You're focusing so much on the outside that you're missing what God has done on the inside. Friends, my name is Kelvin, and I have blind spots. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say this. Neighbor, I have blind spots. That's why I need you to help me discern God's will. Now turn to the person on the other side and say the same thing. Neighbor, Neighbor. I have blind spots. That's why I need you to help me discern God's will. We all have blind spots. And God has raised up community to help us see our blind spots. So that when a decision is made, we can make it from a clear lane. Amen? Community helps us address the blind spots. But second, God chooses to use community as an important part of discerning his will because community helps us hear the confirming voice of the Holy Spirit in the discerning process. Helps us hear the confirming voice of the Holy Spirit in the the discerning process. I love verse 28. It simply says this, for it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Now, he goes on to state what seems good to to the Holy Spirit and to us, but it starts from that spot. In this community, as we try to figure out how do Jewish believers and Gentiles believers work together and live together and grow together and encourage each other, we needed the voice of the Spirit to speak into this. And we realized that we were going to miss the voice of the Spirit, if we tried to figure it out individually. So as they talked and as they uh, debated, it wasn't, it wasn't one of these things like we're just going to sit down and, hmm. There was actual debate going on. But in the midst of that debate, the voice of the Spirit rose. And they were able to discern. This was my first year uh, as district superintendent, in running a district conference. And we were talking about ministry and life in the Spirit. As I put my message together, one of the things that was clear to me was that I was going to need to address and make clear for our district who we are as a denomination, but, and also what we believe about the ministry and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So I put you know, uh, the message together, and I came up with a statement. It was a good statement. It was a strong statement. It was a direct statement. There would be no mistake from this statement where we stood. And I'm putting it together, but I kind of got a check in, in, in my heart. And so I decided to bring that statement to the group, Uh, at our last meeting before district conference, and I read the statement. I was proud of that statement. Everybody's gonna know exactly where we stand. And I said, okay, speak to me, tell me. And this is what we came back. Hey Kelvin, Jesus was full of grace and truth. You got a lot of truth there, very little grace. right in that moment, heard the voice of the Spirit. And it was very clear. Not backing down from who we are, but there is a way to say it that is inviting (laughs) rather than doing this. I could have gone forth with that statement because it would have stood by itself, but it would have caused division. And because I leaned into community and listened to the voice of the Spirit through community. It was much easier for me to stand up and preach that message, knowing that it seemed right to the Holy Spirit and to us. God still speaks. The Spirit still wants us to hear. And he often confirms what he's saying through community so we lean into community because it's there that we get to hear him speak. Community helps us address our blind spots. Community helps us hear the confirming voice of the Holy Spirit. And finally, God chooses to use community as an important part of discernment because community helps us celebrate the places of consolation in the discerning process. Community helps us celebrate the place of consolation in the discerning process. Now, I've been talking about consolation and desolation. Let me just quickly go over this. Consolation means that we come to a place where our focus is directed outside and beyond ourselves. Consolation means bonds uh, it bonds us closely, more closely to others. Consolation means that we're generating new inspiration and ideas. Consolation means that we've restored balance and refreshed our inner vision. Consolation means that we're moving toward God. And, show us where, and God is showing us where he is active in our lives and where he is leading us. Consolation releases new energy in us. We feel like there's forward movement now. We can get somewhere. We can progress somewhere. We can move somewhere. In contrast, there's desolation. And desolation says it's, it, our focus is inward and only on ourselves. Desolation, it pushes us away from the community we so desperately need. Desolation leaves us apathetic and filled with despair. Desolation finds us off kilter and without vision or hope. Desolation moves us away from God and strips us from seeing where he's active in our lives and where he's leading us. And desolation drains us and leaves us without energy. You look at everything that was going on in the church at this point, and they could have been in a place, uh, a, a continued place of desolation. They, 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 there was focus that was inward. This group felt this way. This group felt this way. We were focused only on ourselves. Their focus uh, did, wasn't really kind of bringing them together. The, the, the church from Jerusalem was trying to give a decree to the church at Antioch, and we'll go down and we'll rule over you and tell you what it is that you need to do. And the church at Antioch was going, we're not hearing this at all. Please don't come down here and tell us how to do things. You stay up there where you are. And they're having this kind of struggle. Uh, There there was despair. How are we going to solve this? There was no vision or hope for what God was doing because they were so focused on their own selves they failed to see what god had done they were moving away from god until paul and barnabas brought them together and now instead of being a place that was without that had no energy and no motion they were moving forward together so this whole process for them brought them from a place of desolation to a place of consolation. And how do I see that? In Acts chapter 15, verse 31, it says this. And when they had read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. And Judas and Silas, who were themselves prophets, encouraged and strengthened the brothers with many words. This church that was in desolation now came to a place of consolation because they had heard from the Holy Spirit, and it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to them. They had seen their blind spots, knowing we got, we, we're not gonna move forward in the right lane unless we deal with these blind fo- spots, and it was done in community. Done in community. When I took on this uh, new position, one of the things that my wife and I knew clearly, or at least uh, had started to discern after a couple of months Uh, was that she could not partner with me in the way that the Lord uh, seemed to be telling us that he wanted us to partner in this new role if she was working full time. And so right before us was the decision about what's going to happen with her job. And from my perspective, I wanted to make the the decision in light of what I saw in the checkbook. We can make the right decision, the pros and the cons, do this logically, write a list of pros and write a list of cons, and come to a decision on that. And if we write the list of pros and cons, the thing that's going to come out blaringly is that we would lose in the checkbook if you quit your job. And we had kids in college at the time. Uh, at the time, we still had two, and one was about to start. And we're trying to figure this out and looking at it and going, well, it makes sense. You've got to work a little while longer. And from her perspective, it was very clear, you want to step out on faith. God said it, let's do it, no discussion. We were at a place of desolation. And into this place, we invited a couple by the name of John and Mimi Soper. Their name is significant because John Soper served in this position before I did. He did it several years ago, and he was in this position for 10 Years. And so inviting them into the conversation, we knew we needed the help of community if we were gonna to come to a place of consolation. Here's what, what happened with John and Mimi. They did not tell us what to do. They asked good questions. They prayed with us. They challenged our blind spots. I'd love to say they challenged my wife's blind spots, but challenged mine. And then they kind of, not kind of, they asked the kinds of questions that caused us to reflect on how God had worked in our lives and the faithfulness of God in our lives. And when God had spoken before and we stepped out on what he said, how he took care of things and provided. And as a result of that, and as a result of them speaking in, the Spirit spoke. It was very clear to us And we came to a place of consolation. And we were able to rejoice. And my wife did end up quitting her job. Now, here's the the thing about it that that really blew my mind. About a week after she had quit her job, uh, we received a gift. This is why it's significant. As we were looking over the finances, remember, I wanted to see what's in the checkbook. We came to the place where we understood if she quit her job, there would be about a month's time where, uh, as we were adjusting some things, where we would be a certain amount short. Now to her, that was a small amount. To me, any amount short is a big, big amount. But we were gonna be short either way. A week later, out of nowhere, unexpectedly, I received a gift, was the exact amount that we would be short. Now, I tell you that because it was very clear that God was saying, I'm speaking. I know what I'm doing. I would not have taken that step had we not leaned into community for discernment. We are now a year into the process and I can tell you there has not been a month where we have lacked. God has taken care of it. And I'll tell you what, if it hadn't been for John and Mimi Soper, I think we would still be at a place of desolation. Her saying, well, I want to quit, and me saying, well, the checkbook says no. But when we lean into community, God speaks. And we come to a place of consolation. Amen, amen, amen. Community. Helps us address the blind spots. Helps us hear the confirming voice of the spirit. Helps us celebrate the places of consolation. There's a song by an artist by the name of Hezekiah Walker. He says this, I need you. You need me. We're all a part of God's body. Stand with me. Agree with me. We're all a part of God's body. It is his will that every need be supplied. You are important to me. I need you to survive. Tell your neighbor I need you to survive. And as I close this and turn it over to Pastor Jim, let me say this. It was not lost on me as I walked in the building. I was right by this door as I came in. It all of a sudden hit me. The name of your church. True Vine Church Community. Most churches, similar to like the church that I pastored, they got community their name. It's so-and-so Community Church. But yours is... True Vine Church community. Let me tell you what that says. It says to the community that you are a place place and a people who are leaning into life together. You are a place and a people who are hearing from God together. You are a place and a community that's growing in God together. And you are a place and a community that is a witness for God To this community so that they know when they come into this community, they're going to find a community that's doing life together, growing together, listening to God together and moving forward from what the spirit says together. Your name models exactly what we were talking about today. It is his will. That every need be supplied. You are important to me. I need you to survive, Pastor Jim.
0: So I just want to wrap up with a thought, and then I'm going to pray for us. Uh, every time that God, you know, speaks to us, we have this responsibility to respond. And through the sermon, as well as the picture that Calvin shared at the beginning, we now get to respond and we either say yes or eh, because no one's brave enough to say no to God we say eh. we were invited into something this morning through the sermon and through that uh, picture that Kelvin shared uh, I felt like the Lord was uh, you know building upon that original picture of God that Kelvin shared of God taking his arms and sweeping us in And that was, initially, that is Jesus saying, I am bringing you to myself, right? But in in Philly, we might say, I'm bringing yous to, this is a plural, this is a plural, this is around the whole church, let's not view this as just an individualistic thing, he is bringing us together, he's scooping us up, gripping, gripping us up, as we would say, okay? So, This is something he is calling us to, and that picture is for us as individuals who are being drawn to Christ, but also as a church that is corporately being brought together. So we want to respond to that by saying, yes, God. Okay, great. I didn't even have to coach you. Yes, God is, is how we respond to that. Now, really quickly, I want to address why sometimes we don't do it this way. Sometimes we don't want people in our business because we don't want accountability. We want to get to make whatever decision we get to make, and I don't want you messing, up, messing it up or blocking my will or questioning my decisions. And listen, that is never the way Jesus wanted us to live. It is a blessing that he puts godly people with their nose in your business. And it's, it's better when you invite them to put their nose in your business. But you want people who are going to speak into those situations in your life. Accountability is a good thing. Sometimes we make big decisions in isolation, and then when it falls apart, we wonder why we are alone. Well, we were alone when we got into it. And now we wonder why we're alone in the midst of it. So thankfully, God's gracious that he puts people in our lives that even when we create our own messes, they come and help us out of it. That's God's grace. He's pulling us out of it. Uh, but invite those people into your life, not just when everything's fallen apart. Invite them into your life, you know, as you're discerning. Invite them into your life as you're making a decision to bounce ideas off, to expose those blind spots um, so that we grow in wisdom together. God's given us gifts in the other people around us who also have wisdom. And you are a gift to others um, I'm not suggesting you go give unsolicited advice all the time, but you know, be prepared to speak into people's lives when you're invited to do that. Would you mind standing with me? I want to pray a blessing over us and uh, pray on our behalf in response to this message. Jesus, we respond with yes to you, God, that as you're drawing us in as individuals, but also corporately, we want that. Jesus. We're not going to go kicking and screaming. We're going to go joyfully because we believe that your will is good, because it comes from your heart, which is good, Jesus. So we give our blessing to everything that you're doing. It doesn't, you're going to do it whether you we have your you have our blessing or not, but we come as willing participants in your sanctifying work and in your unifying work. And we pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Feel free to stick around and Snack in community, and uh, we'll see you next week.